everyone, welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Jagadish and Madhuri Madambi. So, time for the Indian Jazz Outlook. Hello, 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 and welcome to a whole new series of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure you subscribe, and that way you can go to bed at night with a peaceful mind. You can visit our lovely website at watfordjazzjunction.com whenever you like, and book tickets to see our gigs here in friendly Watford, including with the Tony Kofi Quintet, who will be painting their portrait of Cannibal Adley on the 12th of February. Now to business. Today, I am joined by two fabulous musicians. The power behind Indian fusion band Munara, they've made more musical connections than a Wikipedia page listing the greatest musical collaborations of all time, a perfect fusion of guitar and vocals, with some wonderful singer-songwriting thrown in. Greats of the contemporary Indian jazz scene, it can only be Jagadish Madhuri Madambi. Jagadish Madhuri, hello, how are you? We're doing great, Chris. How, how are you, you doing? Chris? <laughs> oh, hi guys, yeah, I'm amazing, thank you. It's an absolute delight to have you with us today. Where are you speaking to us from? From Bangalore, India, Chris. Right down south, south of India, Bangalore. Or Bengaluru, as it's now known. Right. Uh, I think I know where you are in the world. We're very exciting. And thank you for being our first guests from India. This is, uh, this is brilliant. So did you both grow up there? Do you have a connection to Bangalore? Yes, both of us have grown up in Bangalore. Though we don't uh-huh. originally come from Bangalore. We've grown up here. Yes, uh, we grew up in Bengaluru. Although I was born in Mysore. Uh, it's uh, another city close to Bangalore. But yes, we grew up in ba- Bangalore. That's right. And is it a particularly, and it's a silly question, but is it a particularly musical city? Is there a, a lot of stuff going on? Uh, actually, Bangalore uh, was, uh, thanks to our colonial past, uh, Bangalore was one of the cantonment, uh, you know, a chosen cantonment area by the British. So the city was eventually divided into the cantonment and the city area. Uh, so the, in the city area, it was a lot of Indian music happening and uh, the traditional kind of uh, idiom explored there. Whereas in the cantonment, it was uh, a whole lot of, uh, you know, mixtures happening as well as a lot of uh, an influence of, uh, you know, popular culture and Western music coming in. So uh, that has contributed to uh, what today Bangalore is. Uh, it's a multicultural multi-genre city which is very open to all forms of music jazz uh, rock pop uh, hip-hop indian classical music so then your musical journey through this amazing multicultural city how have you both ended up specifically in sort of jazz fusion or has there been a lot of other paths en route Actually, both of us have had similar backgrounds in music where the what we were trained in was uh, basically Indian classical music. And, uh, you know, but our training was in that. But what was happening around us uh, also in our schools and uh, colleges and universities, again, thanks to the colonial past and this Bangalore also being a cantonment area, we had a lot of exposure to other kind of music. Mm. That was what happened. So our t- training was in an... Uh, was in our traditional idiom and both our families we've got musicians in our families as well uh, and both kinds of musicians uh, people who uh, you know were trained in the traditional uh, classical arts mm. as well as uh, you know people who explored jazz particularly my maternal grandfather and jagdish was my leanings towards jazz actually began with the voice of america jazz uh, r 
being hosted by the legendary Willis Conover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. you must have heard of him, Chris. Willis Conover was the voice which reached out and spread jazz not only in India, uh, yeah, I think yeah, all through Eastern uh, Europe and Russia through some very difficult uh, political times. And uh, Willis Conover just kind of gripped me with his slow, very articulate English. And he seemed to know all the sidemen uh, who played with all the bands. And if he was saying that this is John Coltrane's recording of Blue Train, and he knew who played on that recording. And uh, you know, th- this is my first exposure to jazz and it just got me hooked. After that, it's been a process of uh, learning. I- I'm self-taught. I'm a self-taught guitar player. I suppose the exposure even today, the internet has been that much more better and greater as far as the exposure to jazz uh, is concerned. You know, our concern was also how do we really blend the kind of music, the kind different kinds of uh, music that we were exposed to. And jazz seemed like uh, the only and the most beautiful option available where we could explore every kind of music, what we had been trained in, what we've been exposed to, what we heard from around the world on radio and television, uh, later on in, on television. You know, that's why jazz becomes such a beautiful uh, music blend. Yes. So is why it was a natural progression to choose jazz as something we wanted to explore. In, in short, it's such an open form of music which embraces everything and it's always ahead of you because you can't put a finger on it says this is jazz because it's always evolving and that's that's what makes it so yeah, special. So Jagadish, your director, I think, of the music school there in Bangalore, presumably there's a lot of different types of music that you're helping uh, your students with. Does jazz feature heavily within the the setup at the school or is it a side point? For you, it's all just about the music in general. Jazz and the contemporary music division, I helped set up just about five years ago uh, when I took over as a director of the school after our founder passed away. Mm. Uh, till then, it was largely focused on Western or let's say European, European classical music. So jazz is growing. We are uh, more uh, you know, mm. connected with the community of jazz. Students are also, there are not too many students right now. But there seems to be an interest and I just want to keep that interest alive through helping organize jazz uh, festivals, jazz concerts, jazz jams, which is not too great. But yes, I want to keep it happening. Uh, That's super cool, man, and really great to hear. So then tell me more, both of you, about uh, Munara, how that band has evolved and and what's been the journey of the band specifically. Actually, what happened was uh, we wanted to steer clear uh, off the film industry is one of the things we could have ventured into yeah. uh, the film music industry in India, in other words, uh, Bollywood, Bollywood, or uh, even our local, yeah, even our local film industry uh, in Karnataka or any part of India. So that's something we just didn't want to do. So I guess necessity becomes the mother of invention. So we said we'll have to do something else, huh. and uh, so we uh, continued our uh, slow and steady journey into jazz. Though it's uh, you know. It can get a little trying at times, but we've never really thought of it as trying simply because it's been a wonderful journey. And eventually, uh, we started this whole thing thinking uh, that we were going to give up our full-time jobs and then get into music completely at some point of time because something like jazz requires us to be sustainable, sustainable musicians. Of course. Because uh, so we had uh, night jobs, night jobs. Yeah, so we had day jobs and we had uh, night jobs. To cut a long story short... (laughs) Chris, I'm the one who's... uh... Hey, I like the long stories. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, so in 2009, when we actually launched Moonara, we were fortunate to be invited to the 
jazz festival in Indonesia, Jakarta, you know, the Jakarta Java Jazz Festival. Yeah, nice. It's huge. I'm saying we've seen 80,000 people. It's humongous. And uh, but before that, wait, before, okay, sorry to interrupt. But just before that, the that was not the reason opportunity was not the reason why we decided to uh, get into this music full time it's simply because we decided that we have to you know have the time uh, to create this kind of music uh, so in 2006 or so we uh, you know we we started doing this whole thing of uh, giving up our uh, full-time jobs and getting into music slowly and surely so we started Moonara but not very formally we didn't register an entity till uh, a friend of ours asked us to send in Jagdish's comp- composition uh, into Java Jazz for the entries just uh, so it was really a, a serendipitous thing and he asked us why don't you send in your composition so we're like okay what are our chances of getting into these kind of things uh, but anyway nonetheless we sent in the composition and it was selected so in 2009 we were invited and uh, it was an absolutely amazing uh, jump for our careers as soon as we began Moonara and after that we didn't have any choice because this friend of ours uh, Eric insisted we start our website and do all those things because we required all these things for the jazz festival before that we were doing it uh, just like you know playing gigs and uh, getting by yeah and we're quite happy to get by like that so uh... a huge shout out to Eric so jumping from 80 people to 80,000 <laughs> that's that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good Return. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, the greatest, I mean, the experience of uh, meeting all these guys at the festival, uh, you know, the next year we went to uh, the Bangkok Jazz Festival. Uh, There we met Bob James, uh, we met uh, Nathan East, uh, we met Steve Lukather, Randy Brecker, even uh, Robin Ford. That's the kind of experience, uh, you know, meeting all these guys. You only heard the music and then you're meeting them in person. It was something. Uh, Actually, Jagdish knew all these people. Uh, I have to confess uh, my ignorance. Uh, At Java Jazz, actually, it was Harvey Mason who came and spoke to me at the breakfast table. But uh, uh, I just didn't know who he was till I saw him on the cover of the magazine of the Jazz Festival. (laughs) And then I told Jagdish, I said, oh, such a nice man. I said, you know, he came and spoke to me at the breakfast table and he asked me when our gig was uh, and whether he could attend. Uh, but then he was flying off or whatever. So uh, I was, uh, I was really, uh, you know, I I haven't been, I've never really followed uh, uh, jazz in that way. I've only listened to the music. I haven't been looking at, you know, okay, these people, or oh, I should be following these people. But uh, Jagdish has been a great fan of uh, many of these people, and uh, so have I. But I really couldn't yes. put a face to them, or you know, it was like that because we did grow up in the analog era in Bangalore, India. Of course, I would pick up uh, these old. Uh, uh, vinyl LPs from uh, flea markets and just look over them cover to cover. Uh, pick up all kinds of records uh, by Deep Purple, by Pink Floyd, uh, Paul Morit Orchestra, then some classics nice. and jazz albums. And, you know, just look at uh, the whole 12-inch and just pour over it for hours while it's, they're getting scratched on my record player. And there was my grandfather with his pool player. So he had this, uh, you know, <laughs> Grundig player and every sort of, uh, you know, music played on that. Uh, and uh, a big part of it was jazz and uh, Hindustani classical, which is not South India's classical. We come from that. It's Carnatic where we were trained. It's all like that or whatever. These, but uh, so there was jazz there as well. Mm. So it was really an experience to be able to uh, meet these people and actually, you know, be in 
like you said, from 80 people to, uh, it was maybe a little more than 80, 80 people to, yeah, 80,000. And to see that there were really, yes. uh, I don't know about other musicians, but jazz musicians are really, really humble, you know, honestly humble. They're not uh, pretending to be humble. <laughs> so, and you know, they're, they just, they don't wear their thing on their sleeve. Yeah. So that was a... Oh Lord, it's yeah. hard to be humble. <laughs> Just, just while we're, we're, we're still talking about Munara, what's been the journey for Munara in the last sort of five years? How have you sort of developed and changed since the early days? We went with the two musicians from our city and began our journey. And after a while, right. everybody wanted to explore their own creative path. So we began collaborating. And then meanwhile, Jagdish, you know, was the founder of Bangalore School of Music, passed away and Jagdish took over. Uh, you know, uh, we found uh, like-minded musicians... Uh, uh, all over the world in Europe where we yeah. played concerts and worked with musicians. Especially the pandemic, we got in touch with musicians in uh, Africa, then Japan. We are quite active with uh, International Jazz Day and uh, I've hosted the three International Jazz Days in Bangalore. So the Jazz Day put me in touch with musicians in Africa yes. and I said, look, I want to collaborate with somebody. And we, uh, so nice. that helped us create, uh, you know, a video for last year, especially we had about 15 musicians coming together for a video concert online, especially the single that we released recently of uh, Sarah Case, If I Could Sing Your Blues, again had 14 musicians working on it and it has been released online in all platforms. The other important, uh, I would say, significant thing, significant thing that uh, yeah. uh, I would consider is when uh, I was invited to be a part of the jury of uh, Seven Virtual Jazz Club. You may have heard of it. It's a global uh, competition for jazz uh, musicians worldwide. Yeah. This is the second year and I'm really, I was really kicked to see the kind of entries that came in from different parts of the world. And, you know, young musicians playing so well. And I, I would uh, look at the video and say, gosh, how does he do that? You know, get, uh, when you meet like-minded mm. musicians who are more and more open, it's not that uh, the previous musicians didn't have anything to do with your journey or your path of music, but maybe there is not so much of they're not so open-minded so we still prefer to connect with people wherever it is it's not because uh, of the kind of musician oh they can be uh, you know okay they're popular musicians they're famous musicians it's because of their whole mindset towards what music is and uh, how jazz music can really grow uh, is what we look at besides they're also phenomenal musicians uh, but it's also this whole thing of uh, uh, building up a sort of community where all of us have the same approach towards music, uh, songwriting, composing, arranging. There are so many things uh, that music can explore. So the last five years has been mostly all about that. And we received an invitation last year to a European festival. You know, we're going continent to continent. We got invited one year to uh, Tangiers, Morocco. So that, that was uh, uh, an entry into, you know, how Africa explores jazz is why we wanted to collaborate with more and more jazz you know, musicians the in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is uh, that in Morocco, Morocco, we got to play with these tribal musicians, tribal music yeah. uh, by the Nawas. The Nawas... It's, it's not tribal, it's indigenous. In Nawas correct, yeah. Uh, yeah. have also, you know, collaborated with Robert Plant and uh, Jimmy Page in the past. Yeah, in the I past. mean, not the same musicians, but their God, community. Oh, it's so fantastic to hear about these different musical connections. We, we, we were quite kicked. So the blues roots and jazz roots began in uh, this kind of indigenous music progress around the world. So that was yeah. a revelation, uh, meeting and collaborating with them. When we started collaborating with European musicians, we were really, really pleased uh, to receive a festival invite last year, though we couldn't go yeah. uh, but still we are uh, working towards other things with the same uh, uh, group of people it's a beautiful thing to actually hear about that journey of the blues and of jazz 
sort of moving from Africa to America, where we know that jazz and blues then really developed, but then coming back full circle, back from America through Europe to India, then back from India to Morocco of all places, and for it all to connect up again. Isn't it a beautiful circle? Absolutely. So I did just want to ask you specifically about the pandemic. Have you guys been busy writing and creating? Have you got new work that's come out of the pandemic? Uh, We had more time on our hands to work on new music. Initially, it was like, oh my God, we're in this lockdown thing. But uh, slowly, we got to really work on a lot of things fairly thoroughly. It became a leveler of sorts, you know. It just got more cohesive. And uh, though it was a bit of a drag because of this technology thing, as uh, say it was, you know, there's nothing like really meeting people and interacting. Though it was depressing, the things that went on and a couple of us developed COVID a lot. Through all that, it was still these kind of things Mm. Even rehearsals were happening uh, over, you know. But uh, so a lot of work happened and a lot of musical work happened and it's continuing to happen. And have you got new work that that's going to be released? Uh, absolutely. We started with Sarah Kay's uh, track. If I Could Sing Your Blues. If I Could Sing Your Blues. Which we just released uh, online now uh, on streaming platforms. Yeah. And we're working on this collaborative album, which is called Manush. Nice. This album is all about uh, each of the musicians who are working with us. They send in their tracks. So everyone is represented rather rather than it's just being a Monara kind of album. But yes, we are uh, initiating this. Uh, along with our uh, friend Peter Natural, who's based in Austria, who's arranger, uh, producer, uh, brilliant uh, musician. It's a whole lot of people and that's more exciting all the time. This kind of thing really is uh, so exciting because music changes, you know, as it goes along. Even the new track, Sarah Kay's track, Peter wanted a big band feel to it. So we were like, yeah, please go ahead. Is that what you want to do? And uh, he went ahead and uh, did it. And I was very keen on getting a vocalist. We had met in Asia, though he is from the States, the United States, uh, you know, because uh, he really had this authentic R&B kind of feel to his singing. So he was there and he was so happy to extend himself. And there was uh, Nima from Europe with a different voice tonality and then different musics, uh, music or whatever. And Jagdish was so happy to uh, trade guitar solos along uh-huh. with uh, Eddie from uh, Austria or whatever. It's happening really slowly because we, we send it back and forth for feedback. And then, OK, let's see what we can do to it. Let's see what we can remove, what we can add on like that. So it's kind of interesting. It's like uh, really permutations and combinations. And, uh, you know, so uh, yeah. when maths, people say maths is so boring, but I said the moment you apply mathematics to to exciting life situations, uh, you know, it turns more exciting. Well, I was, we were exploring something similar around the maths on a previous episode. And we were exploring a piece by a band called Tool, uh, which is built around mathematics. So, Jagati Shamadori, are you ready for Chris's fusion quiz? I'm getting, I'm getting a bit nervous now, Chris. Go ahead. Very good. Question one. Your favourite type of fusion? Nuclear, musical or plain old falling in love? Mahavishnu Orchestra, their music. <laughs> so we'll go, we'll go musical. Question two. Fusing musicians. Would you choose Ravi Shankar with Louis Armstrong or... Jimi Hendrix with Billie Holiday. Jimi Hendrix. With Billie Holiday? (laughs) (laughs) You are a guitarist. Question three. Your favourite fusion foods. Will you choose a ramen burger, a sushi pizza, or plain old British chips but with curry sauce? I think plain old British chips with curry sauce sounds more familiar. It's the right choice, (laughs) Jagadish. 
<laughs> You've got the full 10 points there. Well done. Okay, I've, I've got three questions left. Question four, more musical connections. Would you choose Jimmy Page playing with Zakir Hussein or John McLaughlin with Eminem? Jimmy Page with Zakir Hussein, yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> <laughs> cool answer. Question five. My final musical pairing, would you choose Jagjit Singh featuring Miles Davis or Herbie Hancock featuring Bismillah Khan? Herbie Hancock with Bismillah Khan for sure. Ah, he didn't even, there was no hesitation. Okay, and then the final question. What would be the best fusion festival ever? Give me two countries that you'd like to connect and then give me two different musicians or bands that would meet at the festival. I think the WOMAD is a great uh, platform for such festivals. I would probably look at, you know, the young bands, uh, maybe Snarky Puppy, playing with Munara. I love it. to play in the UK one day. Oh, we would love to see you here as well. Okay, I'm going to tally up your points here, Jagadish and Midari. I'm going to give you 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 and 10 which obviously gives you 60 out of a possible 60. I will fuse that with a bonus because I thought you did brilliantly. Wow. Uh, especially because we've got a rubbish internet connection. I'm going to give you 100 points. Wow. You should be very pleased with yourself. How does that translate into? Uh, into big money prizes. Yeah, you'll, we'll have to speak to our administrative team. <clears throat> so now it's time for my set question. You are prolific collaborators. Does jazz have a special quality for pushing those who play it to seek new connections? Or do people always want to connect and music just gives them a focus? No, absolutely. Jazz has that, that quality of connecting musicians. In our experience, jazz really has had this quality of connecting us. Right from the time we started out on our, uh, you know, whatever, not even careers, right from the time we started on listening to it in our city, we realized it's something that we could grow into and grow old into. It is, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of the few music forms that is not too ageist, frankly, <laughs> like pop and the others. Yeah. <laughs> or rock or, you know, whatever. Okay, you have aging rock stars, especially for women or whatever. It's easy to grow old into as well. And you can just get better at your music, you know. Yeah, I've never given that much thought. Didn't Ian Anderson sing that, Chris? Yeah, no. <laughs> too old to rock and roll. Too young to die. <laughs> These things came up because my friends and everybody would ask me, oh, so are you going to be doing these things? And I'd be like, yeah, let's hope as I get, you know, whatever, we get older, we could do something. And this is wonderful. It is exciting. It, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's so exciting. Huh? And of course, collaborations, there's nothing like it is. That's what brings in the connect. So, yes, it's really been exciting. Uh, Jagdish is more into, okay, I, you know, this festival and that festival. My thing is, even if I'm sitting there in the moment, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've already, through the music, we feel that, you know, at least I feel like that, uh, that we've already reached some festival that we are playing or whatever. It's got a lot of uh, scope for that as well, you know. Well, that's the best thing about festivals. I think a good festival doesn't just, put on a band it it creates new opportunities to be partners and to create something new absolutely okay top three albums which albums do you go back to again and again you can have one each but then you both have to agree on a third and final one queen night of the opera bam uh maduri you're allowed an album 
I think Sushila Raman's Salt Rain. It's because I I saw that there were so many possibilities uh, of with what we could do with our traditional music, Carnatic music, and take it uh, you know into another space, uh, including jazz and things. So Salt Rain by Sushila Raman. And uh, can I have one more, like you know, Sheila Chandra's <laughs> Moon Sun? You ultimately both have to agree on one album. I agree. Oh. Sushila Raman's Salt Rain. Okay, that's a good trilogy of albums. And thank you very much. Finally, Jagadish Amaduri, it is time to sort our house band. Some say, well, I do anyway, that it's the most eclectic fantasy band in podcast show business. We have got Jerry Allen on the piano, Paul Motion on the drums, Rob Matthewson on the bass, Alex Garnett from Ronnie Scott's on the tenor sax, the late Joe Tempoli on bass saxophone, the late John Hassel on trumpet, Norma Winston on vocals, and Alice Coltrane on harp. Now your task is to bring in a new player from any point in jazz history. Who should you like to add to our house band? The vocalist Carmen McRae. Oh, and Betty Carter, both doing their things. What they do, they do, uh, you know, trade off as well as harmonizing, and you know, it's absolutely brilliant. Some of the things they do. So both these, Betty Carter and Carmen McRae. Okay, because there's two of you, and because you've been brilliant, I'm going to allow you to bring in two musicians. Uh, we won't evict Norma Winston, but we'll end up with three beautiful singers up front. Uh, but we are adding in the brilliant Carmen McRae and the fabulous Betty Carter. What fantastic choices and what a brilliant band. So, Jagadish and Maduri, thank you so much for being with us today. What what stuff have you got coming up in, up to the new year and then into 2022? What's what's going down? Uh, hopefully next year we should be touring uh, Europe, especially Hungary where the jazz festival uh, takes place at thousand-year-old uh, UNESCO heritage uh, in a place called Pananhalma. Uh, hopefully that happens, you know, between July and September, and we should get to start playing there. And we got this album, uh, Manush, which we spoke about. We look forward to it. Because that will, that will take the, probably the entire uh, next year uh, to complete. Uh, we are working on uh, something called what what we call the Indian Opera Music of the Moonflowers, where it's a stage, basically stage production along with film. So we're going to have a combination of things in the production. So that's happening in bits and pieces. So it's called Music of the Moonflowers, an Indian Opera. Sounds amazing. So if you've liked what you've listened to, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you want to know more about Watford Jazz Junction, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com or follow us on our various social media. Or you can always email us at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com and share your joys and delights. Next time, we're continent crossing again, and this time to join the jazz remix production team, Unc D, based in Ohio. So until the next time, it's goodbye, lovely listener. It's goodbye, Jagadish Maduri. Thank you, Chris. It was uh, really lovely talking to you. Bye, and thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Stay safe and always remember to connect with something new. Bye.